What's going on, everybody? This is Jerome Moore, host and creator of Deep Dish Conversations. And firstly, I want to say thank you for all of support and thank you for exploring the perspectives of social change with me on this platform. I want to encourage you all to like, subscribe, and follow us on YouTube and on your favorite podcast listening platform. And make sure you give us a five-star rating if you're loving the Deep Dish Conversations. I appreciate all of the support again. I hope you all enjoy this episode. Nisha, Tyra, welcome to the platform. How y'all doing? Hello. Thank you for having us. Hi, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so now I'm I'm excited to get into this conversation about breakaway y'all's organization and what y'all trying to do for the domestic violence community and just justice and yeah. and take a community, right? <laughs> yes. And so um just like y'all just both take you know, take a little time to like just tell us who you are, right? Okay. Um and whoever wanna go first can go first. So you wanna go? Well, I was just gonna <laughs> Um, you sure you don't want to go? Go ahead. It's your baby. You know? Okay. Um, my name is Tara. Um, you asked me my name and how I got into this. Or yeah. Just something about, or just something about like, where you from? I you know? Okay. Yeah. We will oh, get I've into, yeah, yeah. I'm from Lebanon, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, I am the mother of two boys. Um, I am currently the president. You are. <laughs> the president of Breakaway. Um, I also work with other organizations uh, for the charter schools. Um, mm-hmm. So let's just say I'm very hands-on and hands-in with a lot when it comes to the community, especially for the black community. Okay. But uh, so, yeah, Nisha, tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and, you know, your, your credentials with the organization Breakaway. Okay, well, my name is Nisha Simpson, and I am from St. Louis, Missouri. I came here um, for college. I attended Fisk University, and I am the executive director and founder of Breakaway. Cool. So um, as the executive director, as the founder, um, what is Breakaway about? What is the mission? What is the purpose of Breakaway? That's a deep question, but the mission of Breakaway is to provide comprehensive services for domestic violence and sexual assault victims. And we look to help them bridge the gap between surviving mm-hmm. and being able to thrive as survivors. Right. And so, because um, I've talked to a lot of judges on here and come to find out, right, that 50% of the crime here is domestic violence crime, right? It so it's, it's happening a lot. Right, fifty percent of the time, right, and so I can see how it can never be too much, too many resources for domestic violence um, victims, right, um, and just you know which are like seventy percent women, right. right, and so not to say men don't face it, but the super right. majority is women, yeah. um, and you know, and nobody can talk from a woman's perspective um, better than a woman. And so I'm going to let y'all do a lot of the talking here, and I'm going to be a learner okay. and, a, and a listener, right? Um, That's and a good trait and quality to have. Yeah, yeah, because, again, I'm a man, so I can't, you know, and in this situation, like, significantly affects women, mm-hmm. right? And, and children. And, and children, children, right? Yeah, and so, children yeah. Yeah, and so, um, Tara, how did you, why, why is this important to you? What's your story? My testimony, honey. I have a background. But um, I wanted to be a part of it because of just, I was one of those, I would call myself a survivor. Okay. Um, 
I, I dealt with it first and foremost. Like, I grew up, to be honest, I grew up in a domestic violence in a home. Um, so once my mama got away from all that, um, she built a better life for us. So it was nothing that I really wanted for my, I never wanted that for my kids. Um, so once I realized that I was actually in a domestic abusive relationship, mm-hmm. marriage, um, I wanted better. Um, once we separated, you know, I had to go through the whole order of protection thing to get away from it, to get out of it. Um, I did not really know what I was facing. You know, I had two small children. I got married very young at 19 years old. So it was like, that's all I knew. So when I wanted more and I went to, I went to the domestic violence shelter, I went to the um, transitional housing and what I learned in my friend was with me every step of the way. But what I've learned was, unless you're willing to get out and fight to stay out and do what you have to do to rebuild, because not only are you, not only are you running away, or will they say running away, you actually have to start all over. Mm-hmm. So that's where the challenge is, which is where breakaway comes in. The challenge is once you leave, just so you don't have to go back, because I, I saw a lot of women going back, you know, and enduring the same things. I refused. Mm-hmm. So I had to fight for me and my children. I had to educate myself, you know, on what to do, what was next. I had to put a plan together. Mm-hmm. It was only by the grace of God and meeting Ranisha and other people throughout the community it's always the ones you don't know. It's always strangers who right. ends up helping you. So those strangers became my sponsors. They became my support system, which led me to doing what I needed to do for me and my kids so we could, you know, so I could build my credit back up, so I could get us a place to stay, so I could get that car, get back in school. Like, these are everything, this is everything that I was able to do right. that I was not able to do in the relationship and so i want and i want to dive in deeper into some of those things because i mm-hmm. know like that's some of the stuff that a lot of women or a lot, just a lot of people that face domestic violence have to battle through right but before that nisha what 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 inspired you and encouraged you to want to start an organization like breakaway well, that's a long story, just like Tyra said. Um, we got time, you know. It started. Listeners want to, <laughs> listeners and viewers want to know. It started when I was younger. Um, I'm also a survivor of domestic violence and sexual assault. So it started when I was younger, and in the African American African American community, um, oftentimes we have this taboo and this stereotype that needs to be broken that what goes in the house stays in the house, and that damages kids because. Mm-hmm. When, it, when you're told not to say anything or to be quiet or act like anything doesn't happen, you internalize that. Mm-hmm. You internalize those feelings and you begin to think, what did I do? Could this have something that I have prevented? Right. And that follows you. That follows you in, you know, to your interpersonal relationships throughout your mm-hmm. life. And it affects each interpersonal relationship. So it started when I was younger and then I was, I also saw my mother, um, who was in several domestic violence relationships um, as a young child. I was by her side um, trying to help her get out through it, not even get out, but help her stay alive through those Mm -hmm. events. And then lastly, um, in college, I was 
raped. Um, and then. Wow. Yeah. Damn. Sorry, dude. Sorry you had to experience that shit. Yeah, it was it was hard. Um, and I've known many women, many girls in college that have had the same experience. On um, one of my very best friends, um, she is a huge testimony, and she went through the whole entire process and got justice. And I commend her for that because I couldn't do it. Um, did you not get justice, or did you did not? Did you just not say anything? I didn't say anything to anybody. It was at a party, um, and I didn't. Like I said, the only people that knew was after we left the party, and I had said something days later, um, and they eventually found out that way. And like I said, they were they were we were all in the same house. The music was loud, so it's crazy that you can be in a house full of five, ten individuals. Mm -hmm. And no one comes and helps you. Wow. So that's um, the so situation you was, I was you was in. you was like yelling for help. I was I was yelling. I was banging on walls. Wow. Damn. Help didn't come, so I had to fight my way out of that situation. Unfortunately, people don't know like that's very traumatizing, especially when you're a young girl. Like that's very traumatizing, and you take that with you. Yeah, like, I was throughout. sixteen. You take it with you throughout your whole entire yeah. life, even with in relationships, like you mm -hmm. know, especially relationships with males, like. And it doesn't have to be intimate. Like you can have never. a best friend who's a guy, yeah. and the balance is off because you have that baggage, right. that hurt, that pain that you're carrying along with you throughout your years. And um, so, going back to why I started Breakaway. Um, I was I interned at the Jean Crow Advocacy Center. I was an intern there, had been helping individuals get orders of protection. I would go with them to court. Um, I would, you know, get them into transitional housing, and then from there, I transitioned to a domestic violence advocate role at Legal Aid. Um, and then at Legal Aid is where I met Tara, and <laughs> our story is ridiculous. It's but um, I followed her through the whole process of her coming into my door, our doors at Legal Aid, and following to like the woman that she has become now. What's so crazy is, I was working with them before she got there. Mm -hmm. But no, I did not get the help and the dedication until she got there. Like, <laughs> literally, she called me one day and she was like, hi, I'm your new advocate. And I'm like, oh, hi. And how I am, I don't really trust. Like, I have a hard time opening up. And she gave me that space at first. And then she was just like, hey, we got stuff to do. We got to get on the ball. And I'm just like, I was used to doing it by myself. So when she came along and she helped me, it was like, okay, so it's not just me anymore. Like I have that support, right. so I call her my fairy godmother. So this is a lot to <laughs> this is a lot to unpack right now. It is. Let's unpack it. No, no, because we because don't have time, yeah. So, but no, we, we got time. We got time. Oh, he said we got time. We got time. Because it's because as a as a man, right? Mm -hmm. um, just from my own learning, and just like this is probably my first time having a a direct conversation about this type of like these type of instances things mm -hmm. that can that happen to women right things that happen to human beings right right um and so one i want to just commend both of y'all just for being courageous and calling it out mm -hmm. and like doing something about it right in your own uh unique ways right um so i have i have a question i want to pose to y'all because um i see that 
you know, that there's, there's, it's become a slippery slope when women um, accuse a man of rape, mm-hmm. right? Especially when they might have a high profile status, mm-hmm. right? Celebrity or something like that, or it has been significant time has passed, seven years, 10 years, right? And so many people say, dang, well, why didn't he? Why didn't she, you she, say something right, beforehand? Right, and also, also, um, I think, too, some learned behavior from that is um, you, can be, you can be taught not to believe because of mm-hmm. people have lied. Women have lied, right, for yeah. own personal gain, right? And so I think now in the society, it's like every, we want to listen to women or anybody, but it's like that thing like, well, is she telling the truth? Because it's been cases, high-profile cases that, women have came out and been proven that they have lied on a man. And the, I think it's really, really hit home for the black community too, right? For sure. And so how do y'all feel about that being victims of those type of situations? Um, and maybe victims that survivors, I would probably say. I think that's, I think that speaks more to warriors. it. Yeah, warriors, right? Um, to, to, to those type of sentiments and narratives that happen in like today's society when it comes to women coming forward and saying, hey, I've been raped, but it was 10 years ago. Or, hey, i just been raped by, it was by this high-profile person. It happened at 2 a.m. He invited, you know, so it's there's there's situations that cause people to pause a lot of times and question, mm, how do y'all, how, like, what is the best way to support people like that? And, you know, even if you have, like, questions and, and things like that, without... Passing judgment. Passing judgment, yeah. My biggest thing is if someone discloses that they have been a victim um, of sexual assault or domestic violence, you believe them. Okay. My my first thing is I would believe them. Okay. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. As a friend, as a future psychologist, I'm not going to chastise or poke holes in your story. Um, I'm going to listen to what you're going to have to say, and that's a lot of that's a huge issue. I feel um, that people don't do. You don't listen. It takes nothing to sit down and just hear somebody out. Yes, we may have our own biases of, you know, well, what was she wearing? You it know, matter. what was she wearing? What was she doing? Was she drinking? Um, when those questions become a play, it makes victims not want to say anything. It mm. makes victims not want to speak out. Right. So just by lending a listening ear can go so far. And we have this thing in the justice system, innocent innocent until proven guilty. All I have is my word. And for me, my word is my bond. So if I'm coming to you and disclosing, you know, something that has happened to me, mm-hmm. I want to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that there's not individuals who do lie. Mm-hmm. It happens. But this conversation to me it's so important that if someone is coming and disclosing that type of thing to you, you take them serious, serious as first. Okay. We see this a lot in the, I would say, I'm not even going to just say the black community. It's, it's, we see it a lot in the minority community. Yeah. Um, because just like she said, we're taught, well, I don't know other, you have different types of households. In my household, it was taught my mom always told us if anybody ever touched you do anything to you you come and tell me right away you but 
And then you is that really those, true though? Right, but then you have those that don't tell their parents, or you have you have some parents that just don't want to know. They want to hide it and turn a blind eye to it. But even when you feel comfortable enough, or your parent is telling you, "Come and tell me right away," even females today, like even a lot of the black, you know, black and minority females. It takes a lot. It takes a lot for someone to actually come and admit what has happened to them if something has happened to them. And it's not just, yes, it's the fear of someone believing you, but it's just sometimes if you if you open up and talk about it or say it out loud, it makes it reality. Right. So some people like to just forget. They don't want to be they don't want to remember it, so they black it out. But at the end of the day, when you're blacking traumatizing events like that out, it still comes up. Right. Even in the future, in your adulthood, if it happens in your childhood, it will come back up in your adulthood. Right. Um, and it's the same thing for men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Men are, you know, obviously it's less reports. We know that one in five or one in six men are yeah, sexually assaulted each year. But it's the fact that their masculinity may be questioned. Their manhood may be questioned. Yep. Like, you, you, you upset that a girl trying to hit on you? Like, you, you start to feel some type of way as, as well. So it goes both ways. It's all um, about suppressing, suppressing the feelings yeah. and yeah. suppressing what has happened. But at the end of the day, this is why Breakaway was created, and which is why we wanted to, we wanted to bring awareness, you know, in the month of April for the steps because it we don't care men, women, LGBTQ plus community. We we support we support you all. Okay, so just know that there is an organization here where women, where we've actually been where you are, or where you're going or where you want to go. Like only someone with experience could have the heart and the dedication that we have to support you throughout that journey. So some more unpacking. Yeah. Some more, <laughs> some more unpacking. I'm trying to remember my thoughts, right? I'm going to start remembering my thoughts because y'all seeing some real powerful shit right now and some good stuff. Um, I'm not nervous anymore. Yeah, they say they was nervous. Now y'all come with that, <laughs> with that pressure. Um so I want to ask you all, like, what a different, what does sexual assault look like? And this is why I asked you that because I, I think again, it is becoming a very slippery slope, mm-hmm. especially I think it depends on culture, right? Yeah. Because you know, you know, especially you can start at teenagers, right? Flirting, it could be a slippery slope. Is it flirting or is once I touch you a certain way as a, as a man or as a young young man is that sexual assault right is it is it oh man stop boy stop to don't do that don't like how you know culturally because it's hard to those are those are slippery slopes and depending culturally i might get inside so she's saying no she's saying but it's coming off like it's flirtatious you really want me to do it right those type of things um are like very blurry lines that i think that that you can either be getting sexually assaulted and not know it, or you can be, you know, um, you can be sexually assaulting somebody and not know it, right? But the, it, just, it depends, and I think it, it depends on the, the person, how they feel. But I, I think a lot of people could fall victim to that type of sexual assault, especially teenagers, right? Because I know, 
I know from third or fourth grade, I can remember like just slapping girls on the butt, right? Playing. But that could that could sexual be that could be considered sexual but I you know, not now I'm like life gone because I'm thinking we playing, you know, a game or something. But but like so so what does like what does sexual assault and sexual harassment look like to in in different variations because like they can look different it, it, to other people than the others. It does. And like you said, it's, I feel like it is a cultural thing. But my biggest, I think what it boils down to um, logically consent. is consent. consent. Okay. It's consent. And I know that, like, you don't, I mean, we ask people to be our, you know, your girlfriend or your boyfriend. You ask individuals to marry you. Right. You ask individuals before you take that next step in a relationship, mm-hmm. are you okay with this? Right. Or, you know, I know we don't necessarily, you know, say like, you know, as far as like touching and holding hands, but it boils down to consent. And also, I feel like with females, flirtatious, because the lines do get blurred. So if you don't want somebody doing that, tell them no. Mm-hmm. Tell them stop. I'm not comfortable with that. Because at the end of the like, you don't know what somebody has been through in the past and you could trigger them. So consent. And drawing those boundaries. I think boundaries are very important. Again, I know high school, middle school, hormones are raging, right? Hormones are raging. But when you get to that age where your brain is cognitively developed and you understand right from wrong, consent or no consent, that's when I feel like the line shouldn't be blurred anymore. It's up to the parents to educate the teenagers on on knowing the difference. Right. It's all about knowing the difference. And anytime, like I said, I have two boys, you know, two sons, and I teach them anytime a girl says no, she means no. I don't care if she's laughing, if she's saying it in a flirtatious manner, she means no. Right. And vice versa with a man or any member of the LGBTQ plus community because it's not just women. If a guy, you know, you don't know what a man or a boy has been through in his past because right. they, they, it happens to them as well. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know if, like, you know, touching him, rubbing on his arm or anything like that mm-hmm. may trigger him. Right. Yeah, these are conversations that ah, I definitely didn't have as a, uh, as a young man. And and then there wasn't, but there wasn't space either, right? There wasn't like, like it wasn't no school conference or no auditorium. Come on here, we're gonna talk about this. Do like you know, <laughs> in my day, <laughs> when what was it? Like sex, sex education. education. Yeah. And then in middle school, and then they took it out, and then so when it was my turn, when I asked my mom. My mom never had the sex. What's that? The sex talk with us about the birds and the bees. bees. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. You know what she did? Cause she had three girls. She put on the movie Kids. They might remember Kids. The movie. It's a very old movie. No, I don't remember. Kids. Oh my gosh! Any. It's called Kids. Um, it was basically she scared us. It was basically where different high school students. Uh, one girl was sexually assaulted at a party, mm. and from there she became the word they want to use loose, but really she wasn't loose. She was just trying to find herself, and she was trying to cope with what happened to her. Right. And the guy that did it, he he had AIDS. Mm. So all these different students was just going around having sex with each other, not knowing that they were spreading AIDS. So that's how my mom had the birth. And that's another with thing us. within like the African American <laughs> community. Don't, don't scare kids because right. it's going to happen. Right. It helped me. It scared me. 
Like, I mean, but scaring kids, like, you can have a decent conversation right. without scaring your kids. So it's all about education. What's going on, everybody? This is Jerome Moore, host of Creative DJ's Conversations. Go check out Moroccan olive oils. You can go find them at their website at healthyearthorganics.com. They ship everywhere, even outside the United States. Moroccan olive oils specialize in all natural and organic products. Moroccan olive oil has been in business since 1887, which is four generations. They have very low acidity. It's also great for cooking and finishing. Investors are welcome to join to invest in the business right here in the United States. Moroccan olive oil, go check them out. Thank you and enjoy this episode. This is good. This is real. <laughs> now this is good. This is good. I know the listeners and the viewers, they like, damn, this is some good shit right here. Um clearly there's a lot of resources and organizations that you would think that caters to the victims of domestic violence, right? There are. There right? are a lot of great resources in there. And, and so um what makes Breakaway kind of different in the approaches and what void are y'all filling here for the national community? So, right. All so, <laughs> yeah, because, like, because remember, talk to us like we don't know, right? Talk so, to us like we don't know what is happening, well, me specifically, right? That, 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 that happens in the domestic abuse world, right? And so, I'm going to break it down. Yeah, break it, break it down. I am. So I'm going to go through this process. So if a victim, I'm going to start with the victim. Mm -hmm. So if a victim comes to the Gene Crow Advocacy Center or the Family Safety Center um, and is trying to get away, this is the getaway stage. Um, they go, they seek an order of protection. They seek resources such as the YWCA to, you know, get shelter for 30 days, you know, a few months or whatever, just so they can kind of... Um, get back on their feet. So once, you know, the orders, the protections are done and they're served and they're signed by the commissioner and the victim is out of the toxic environment they were once in, they're in this home, um, this shelter, and, you know, for 30 days trying to, you know, they're, you know, presented with the case manager that, you know, attempts to help them and things of that nature. Once the 30 days are up, where are you going to go? Mm. Once the order protections up for thirty days, sixty days, a year, what am I gonna do? Right. Cause to me, once everything is signed, sealed, and stamped, it's like what's next. And I feel like that's where the ball is being dropped is the what's next. Cause you have women who are coming out of homes and domestic violence and sexual assault is about power and control. So if I'm controlling your finances, mm -hmm. you know, I'm controlling your education. I'm controlling on how and who and when you can talk to individuals. Those, some of those things have to be relearned. Mm -hmm. Some of those things have to be brought up because you're, you're somewhat isolated. And I'm not saying this in all situations, but you're relearning. You're relearning yourself. You're building. And so I'm assuming that that individual after 30 days if they don't have anywhere else to go to go or family or support to lean on they probably go back to the abuser they're left with going back to the abuser one out of seven women return it takes no sorry it takes seven times at least seven times for a victim of domestic violence to get out of the situation they're in but domestic violence is not That's just crazy. physical right a lot of people 
a lot of people think it's just all physical. It's not just physical. Like she said, it can be financial because I didn't know I was dealing with that until after I went to the shelter. Um, was there physical, financial, um, they say sexual, um, mental, spiritual, um, <laughs> all of those. It's, it's all of the above. So right. a lot of people, please don't, please do not get it mixed up because it's not just physical because you can't have someone controlling you mentally spiritually and you not even and know you it. not even know it and then when they have your mind they can control every aspect or everything else that you got going on including the financial so it's like you really don't know where to turn and so once he's isolated you from your family, right? Because at this point, they're probably mad at you. they probably like, I told you, you know, he was no good. Or, you know, you have friends. And it was like, I told you to leave him alone. Or I told you to leave her alone. And um, you don't have anyone to call. So you're out on your own. But, you know, you have resources and organizations that's willing to help you. So what Breakaway is attempting to try to do is bridge that gap between surviving mm -hmm and thriving mm. that's what we're trying to do so we're trying to provide comprehensive services and like Tara just said mental physical financial we want to make sure we're taking care of the person from a holistic um, perspective right. so I created um, evidence-based because research is important if you don't have the data or the data to back of what you're doing it's pointless because, like, what goal are you reaching? What goal are you trying to obtain? So, for me, it was evidence-based approaches as far as building on the mental, the mind, the body, and the spirit in order to cultivate that person back to a whole again. Right. Like I said, there was plenty of days when I wanted to give up. Because it does, it, it's very hard. Especially when you're, like I said, I wasn't young anymore. I was, like, 28 years old with two babies. So, it was like starting all over from everything that I had started before I got in the relationship like I was in school you know I had two jobs like oh I was on my own place like my own car like I had it all and I was building myself so when you're trying to re rebuild yourself with children and nine times out of ten a lot of these women have children and sometimes the parents and the family do not know what you're going through because you're so embarrassed to even say it out loud right, right. so it's like when you have to start all over with kids, that makes it that takes a different toll on you. Right. Not just physically, but mentally. It starts with your mental, and then it affects your spirit, and then it affects your physical appearance. Which is why breakaway with breakaway, we focus on the internal. Because if you can build yourself from within, you can build yourself and do anything you set your mind to. Right. But it's all about having to be there mentally and spiritually. Man, this is y'all over here blowing my mind right now. Because again, you you, you talk to a person who has never uh, experienced domestic violence, right? Knowingly, right? Right. Um, and so everything that y'all are giving me right now, giving the the watchers and the listeners, like this is inside scoop, and. And, and you said something 
Nisha, you said uh, make people whole, right? Yeah. That healing process, right? Yeah. And so y'all are very close to the situation, right? Yeah. On the everyday, right? Being survivors, being warriors, right? Mm -hmm. In this, how are you all, how are you all staying mentally balanced and holistic and not being triggered? Because like you know, I'm pretty sure like. It's something y'all have to Vicarious live with. Trauma. Yeah, it's real. you know, every day. And so, how do you all, you know, separate the 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 the, the, the workload, the caseloads y'all gonna have a breakaway, and then personal life, but also not getting re-triggered from your own personal experiences dealing with domestic abuse, rape, assault, mm -hmm. all of those things. My biggest thing when I started breakaway and working in nonprofits. Burnout is real. Burnout and vicarious trauma is very real um, with dealing with these type of issues. And so, I, as a mental health professional, I take my self-care very seriously. Mm -hmm. I make sure that there are times if I need to mentally get myself together, I take a step back. Mm -hmm. I take a step back. I, you know, I roller skate on Sundays down at Rivergate. Okay. <laughs> um, I spend time with my sister and my family. Um, I watch shows, I, you know, I binge watch TV, um, and those are my get up. Oh, and I, I love to go get my nails done. I think that's my number one self-care that I do for myself. <laughs> I, you know, I leave my phone in the car and I just right. go in and I, you know, have a day to myself. So that's something that's really important to me. And for Breakaway, we included a mental health component mm -hmm. to where, you know, if individuals, you know, on my team, I don't call them staff because we're all a team where I consider them family pretty much. And, you know, if they needed to go see one of, you know, the psychologists or one of the interns, they can do that. They all have right. that space to do that. All right. Oh, well, me, like I said, I have two kids. So breaking the cycle is my main focus. So I do know when working with others just because of my experience, um, I don't feel like it's gonna because I don't feel like it affects moving forward. I don't think it affect me, you know, working with others with mm -hmm. who have dealt with that trauma, who have been through domestic violence or sexual assault. Um, like I said, just my experience alone makes me want to do more and help others who are not as educated, who doesn't know, and who's the better to, who's better to do it than the person who's actually been there where you are. Right. And a lot of people, like I said, a lot of people have a hard time trusting you if you right. really don't know where where they've been or where they're coming from. Right. So just by me having that experience is going to make me work harder to help somebody else just because I had, I only had Ranisha in my corner um, keeping me, like, make me want to fight every day to do what I needed to do every day. And then I had my kids that I had you know, who were looking at me every day. Right. So it's like I had to fight and push through all of that trauma. Mm -hmm. and to it, piggyback off of what you said about having individuals who look like you and been where you are, that makes a if you are in a classroom, mm -hmm. I use this analogy, if you have a professor, you know, and you want to be... You want to be a, you know, a cook, right? You want to be a culinary artist, mm -hmm. but your professor is a doctor. How that, how's that going to work? They ain't going to pan out too well. Uh, it, it's it? not. Yeah. So 
I'll use that analogy because as African Americans, as women, mm -hmm. um, I wanted to make sure my board represents the population that is underrepresented. Um, I have minorities on my board. I wanted to have a space to where when okay. someone walk into my building, they can say, you know, or little kids be like, I look like her. Right. She looks she like does. me, right. and I could be like that. Because that's the whole. Really, if you come to, if you think about it, that's the whole key. Like, because anybody that we're going to help and anybody that walks through those doors will know and feel like we are a team. Like, we're not looking at you like you're a statistic. We're not looking at you like you're a victim. We're not looking at you to just, like you have some, you know, somebody with their hand out. Like, we're actually coming across as we're all a team and we're going to rebuild. And long together. as you put together, as long <laughs> as you put that work in you're going to have that support. Like I said, going through everything that I went through, going through the um, domestic violence shelters and the transitional housings, like what I saw there and what I witnessed, yeah, we have a lot, um, but it was like I also saw a lot of women give up. And I wish we had this platform then to where, you know, I was able to talk to these women and be like, you know, you can't, you got to push through. There's like three women that I know of that we, we formed a sisterhood. You know, we formed a sisterhood. We formed a bond. And once we got out, I'm only friends with just one of them to this day. And we call, I call her, the, I call her my shelter sister. Right. But the other women, we know they went back to their abusers and I don't know where they are now. Mm. So it was like I've only stayed in touch with one. I got another kind of deep question for y'all. Because we know this is the United States, this is America. There's always disparities around equability mm -hmm. when it comes to services and resources, right? And a lot of times when people are harmed, there's usually black and brown people at a disproportional rate. And... um there's not a usually we just we we're not heard the same, especially like black women, right? Not a listen to the same, not heard, not taken as serious. And so, is that the same case when it comes to like sexual assault, domestic violence in the organizational space, right? Um, are black women, you know, being treated disproportionately different than white counterparts? You know, when it comes to getting the, the, the resources and the support that they need. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think there's a gap, and it's not necessarily um, the organization's fault. Completely. It's just systemic, systemically. Systemically. The yeah. system is jacked up. And when I was working, um, I learned that, you know, they have to adhere to a, a quote-unquote poverty level, right? So if you don't hit this specific threshold if you are above it you can't get the services that you need mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that like again that could be due to grants that could be to federal grants that could be due to you know a countless amount of information but if you don't hit this threshold it's almost like with food stamps um, you can do this good we want you but to do good, good but not good enough to right. where you know you eligible. can exceed that right. exactly so if you make a certain amount of money you out Right. And so it's like, okay, I want to do better, but I'm good where I'm at right now. So with Breakaway, I've lifted the poverty level, created kind of my own. Mm. I think the standard is like 200%. Mine is 400 to where an individual who's making minimum wage, after they, you know, feed their family, after mm -hmm. they, you know, 
pay bills, mm-hmm. after they take care of everything that they have in the household, it's like what's left. Right. I done done all, I've done all of these things, all of these things, but I can't afford daycare. Right. I can't afford mental health services. You know, insurance only covers maybe three or four visits, but that's an intake session. And if you don't have them on child support, they can't find the father. They don't give the insurance benefits. So it's like mm. you have all of these. Yeah, I have the day-to-day living, but not what? You know, right. I still need those extra services. So that's where Breakaway comes in to where we can provide free mental health. Mm-hmm. We have individuals who, you know, we could do telehealth. You can come in and speak to someone. We have daycare yeah. to where the percentage is waived. And hopefully right. the government or, you know, other individuals can, we can cover the other half. Um, another thing that I found with daycare is individuals were bringing their kids to court. So vicarious trauma is not just for adults, it's for children too that are sitting, Mm -hmm. listening to their mom and their father go back and forth um, and maybe not understanding why. Maybe they have, they do understand why and they're still playing victim to that. Um, The wellness program, individuals may not be able to afford a gym membership. Right. So they may not be able to afford, you know, healthy nutrition, Mm -hmm. you know, nutritionist way of eating. Right. So I want to provide that. And lastly, I want to provide a space to where, you know, they can come in and, you know, get help, get the help that they need. So the mental health, the wellness, the daycare, and skill enhancement. You know, when you leave your abusers, you're going to need some skills. Right. You're going to need some education. Right. What are some things, because I always, I always like to focus on a lot of times, like, like I wanna, I want, I wanna focus on how can we not have to have organizations like Breakaway, right? That's ideally, right? Right. I, right. Ideally, I want to put you out of a job, out of business, right? We need <laughs> right. organizations, but but like but, but but look, we need them because of the harm that is being done, right? That's why we need them, right? Well, yeah. Right. That's why we yeah. need them, right? So, I'm thinking, and I'm I'm wondering if y'all have um, suggestions or you know ideas. How can we? prevent people from committing sexual assault and domestic violence before they do it right what are some oh. what yeah what are some things because I, what are some edu- what are some th- like in what what age when does that start like so from yeah. my standpoint from like a research standpoint it starts when you're young i'll just it starts, it starts when you're young and you're learning cuz you right. know learn behavior the environment that you're in um, those one to two, one to five years are crucial. Mm-hmm. They are crucial. So for me in my household, I was, you know, seeing domestic violence at a young age. And a lot of, you know, the saying is, you know, individuals who have been abused or have been victimized become perpetrators because that's what they know. So um, statistically, mm-hmm. if I see, I'm saying I'm a, I'm a male, and I know again, this does not, is not always the case, but it's, you know, the stereotype. I'm a man and I'm being on my wife or the mother of my child, and my son sees that, and my mother is tolerating it because she's saying, oh, I forgive you, I come back without any consequences that mm-hmm. they don't see, right? Mm-hmm. And they think that is okay behavior. So when they grow up, again, this is not all cases, but stereotyp- you know, stereotypical behavior, they grow up. My dad be my mom, and she still loves him. 
Is that okay is that, is that okay for me? Right. And same thing with sexual predators. It could be the same way. Um, from a young age, we see individuals become or being victimized, and they become perpetrators. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. hear and see the abuse. So they can either go this way mm -hmm. or go the opposite way. I don't never want to do that to hurt my mother or my father. But then they can also go the opposite route and become a perpetrator. It's all about being edu educating our children. A lot of people feel like, you know, kids are too young, you know, to have this conversation or they're too young to speak about this. But in reality, they're not. If They don't see it on TV. If they're old enough, if they're old enough, to say I have a girlfriend, then they're old enough to have that conversation. Because I didn't know, but I know now that kids is, you know, early as elementary are kissing in the hallways or holding hands or touching stuff that I was not doing when I was in elementary. Right. But you know, times are changing and it's like when they start saying certain things and as a parent, it's our job to listen to our children. Right. You know, a lot of the growing up back, I want to say back in the day, you know, most <laughs> kids were taught, you know, kids are supposed to be seen, not heard. Or you're supposed to keep your mouth shut or you're not supposed to ask this. You're not supposed to. But at the th we have got to listen to our kids to know what's going on in their environment. And if we don't know what's going on in their environment, we can educate them on what to do next. And it's all about educating them, and it does start young. And, and I think, too, a lot of that not listening just comes from, you know, parents' own kind of learned behavior, yeah. right? Because if, if, if you don't know, if you don't know, you don't know. know. So if mm -hmm. you don't know the red flags, if you're not aware, if you haven't trying to be intentional about learning, like, you know, they could be all the signs could be there, but you've not educated yourself as a parent, so right. you can't really deccode what's happening. Yeah. It's, it's a generational thing. It's a generational yeah. thing. This is why you would hear me say, I want to break the generational curses. Yeah, yeah, no. We and, have to. And, and talking to y'all, it seems like it's a lot of space for breakaway to be in schools um, and community engagement. Yeah, all no, the, all sure. the, you know, from, from, from youth to adults, right? Uh, because these are not conversations that, you know, um, communities are having because they're very tense. Right, they can be very, very. They can be very tense, but I, you know, I believe in leaning into the to tenseness and the and the uncomfortability, and it can be healthy. You know, you can have a healthy conversation like we having now yeah. about it, and you gotta do some reflection, and you gotta take some accountability, and admit that you just been doing some stuff wrong, and that's okay. You know, right. as long as you're trying to grow and learn, and not continue to perpetuate the same behavior. You know, and I think you know, y'all, I'm excited for what y'all got planned and what y'all gonna do. Thank you. And so into into that, like, so what, so what is the next steps for Breakaway, and how can Nashville be a part and support, you know, what y'all have going on and what y'all trying to do? So many different ways. Um, my biggest thing is support. Um, I've, you know, we look on Instagram and Facebook, and you have, you know, friends, businesses. It takes nothing mm -hmm. to share. Ninety-five percent of the time, we are on our phones anyway, so it takes nothing to share or like um, information that you're seeing that you feel passionate about. It takes nothing to do that. And then also, we do have our website up at www.breakawayeip.com. Um, go to our website. Donate is always donate. Donate, donate. It's always a good right. donate. It's always a good um, <laughs> revenue to help 
help us, you know, do the things that we want to do within the Nashville community. And eventually, we just don't want to stay in Nashville. We want to take this program and go elsewhere. So also, because April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, we're having a virtual fundraiser. So if you work out, if you run, you walk, you bike, you swim, you hike, you jump rope, you dance, you skate, anything that requires you, you know, moving and taking those steps, um, we have a virtual fundraising. It's, um, you can find us at like charity charityfootprints.com forward slash breakaway forward slash. And it's called Walk a Mile in Their Shoes. Um, I've heard this concept say, you know, walk a mile in her shoes. But at the end of the day, women aren't the only mm-hmm. individuals that are being victims. Right. So we're walking a mile for the LGBTQ plus community. We're walking a mile for minorities. We're walking a mile for children and for men. So it's everybody. Um, that's the biggest thing that ha- is happening right now. And then on April 27th is Denim Day. Are y'all aware? You know what Denim Day is? Denim? Denim Day. Yeah, just wear your <laughs> denim. Is that what you do? I, is that? I don't What's, know. Okay, so the concept. <laughs> that is when you wear denim. You though. wear your it's denim? Face, though, face, it is. Face, it is. Yeah. But the message behind it, it was a young woman in another country who fell victim of sexual assault. And the only reason that they did not convict her abuser was because they said her jeans were too tight. So on April 27th, we say that, you know, we wear jeans because he's the only reason this man was convicted. And I believe she was gang raped, if I'm not mistaken, Mm. um, was because they said her jeans were too tight. So April 27th, wear denim, take pictures, tag us. Right. Um, via Instagram breakaway EIP. I'm gonna have to bring y'all back because <laughs> no, because I have so many more. Because y'all just y'all when you when you said that like it just like I'm thinking about culture again. I'm thinking about like kind of where things are promoted, right? Mm-hmm. Music, okay. movies. What where, where like where are we getting these things like like they can lead to to gang rape culture or to sexual assault or abuse, right? And a lot of that is through a lot of entertainment, yeah, right? That a lot of us um, support, listen to, you know, and we just ignore like the the the, the, the trend. Yeah, we yeah the trend, right? Well, we just completely we we some of us ignore it and just say, oh, that's just music or that's just entertainment, and some of us acknowledge it, but we don't think it. it it does any harm so i i'd love for y'all to come back sure. and talk about like that the that subconscious. just yeah, yeah. All, all, all of those <laughs> things right that could that can contribute right if right. i'm hearing you know slap a bitch all the time you know and and, and, would. and look and look now nah, and, and bitch <laughs> and bitch could be bitch is a unisex word right yeah. in, in my okay. opinion Right. We just saw Will word. and Chris. Right. I mean, so right. Word, right. So. And so yeah, it's a uni- <laughs> it's a unisex word, but you know, but hey, you know, so if you hear it all the time, right, and you know, it could you might think, oh yeah, I can I can do that. It's some I, I want to be like my favorite artist or whoever that's saying that because that's what he or she's saying. So that's where I blame the social media. Like I'm not look, I'm in my thirties, <laughs> I'm in my early thirties, but I will blame it. I because I feel like. What I'm seeing, and let's just put it out there, what I'm seeing on social media with with how the girls are half naked and they say I dress like this because I want to, I'm not knocking you. Do you. But what are you teaching our little girls? You're basically telling us they got to be an Instagram model 
or some type of social media model to get this type of attention but at the end of the day that's really not the attention that they're seeking but i had to challenge that too because they saying it but are the parents at home monitoring what's you know being seen you talking to your child family link it's Family link. And this is like, that's what I'm saying. Y'all got to come back because we can go on and on. <laughs> yeah, we can. Not, we because can. look, cause I'm going to say this and then I'm going to give y'all the last word just in general. <laughs> because y'all had said something earlier about like like women dressing, right? And that's no excuse or reason for them to be sexually assaulted right. or raped, right? right? But y'all totally agree. But where does kind of understanding the realities of the world we live in, right? I know it's not right for a man to sexually assault a woman because she has a short skirt, right? Mm-hmm. But but I understand at the same time, if I had a daughter, I don't. I have a son. But if I had a daughter, I would say, hey, look, I know you want to be able to, you know, you, you might even be grown, but the signs that this is sending to other men could put you in awkward positions mm-hmm. to be catcalled, uh, or sexually assaulted, which is not right, but this is this the is the world, world this in. is the world we live in. So it's unfortunate, but sometimes we have to. Women have to. I think I, I hope women understand this and not just use like, well, hey, I shouldn't be touched at all. But like, yeah, I, we understand. I agree. But the world we live in hasn't. We all haven't moved forward to that point yet. And so be conscious about it and, and what could come with it. And and it can be rape. It can be sexual assault. It can be all these harmful things that you don't deserve. But, you know, just be conscious of the world and the people that, that's in this world that we live in that does see that as an invitation sexually, right? And right. so, um, okay. yeah. Yeah, because, it, yeah, it all depends on short skirts, but at the same time, you've had women in sweatpants and hoodies who have been sexual Yeah, assault. Yeah, so it, does, so, yeah, so so it don't matter the clothes. Like, yeah, right. yeah, it don't matter the clothing at all. But, but, um, yeah, but dealing with bringing awareness to us and why we were mm-hmm. here, you know, we wanted to let people know about Breakaway right. and what we're doing with our upcoming fundraiser that starts tomorrow. Yes. But yes. early yes. registration is today. So, and so, you can and so hopefully we get this video out it's quick time. enough. <laughs> it's <laughs> quick enough. But, um, yes, and to my fellow or to my sexual assault victims out there who are listening and if you feel too afraid to come forward or feel like you have no one to talk to breakaway is here yes we are breakaway is here we are and we know that you know people like to put a stereotype on things and they like to make Mm -hmm. you feel a certain type of way if you feel comfortable enough go get that kit because at the end of the day, nobody can take that away from you. You have that kit. You have your evidence. If you feel like you want to wait years down the line or months down the line, you can. But you still have that evidence. And keep everything with you. Because there are people out here who are listening. And, and you aren't alone. And you're like, not alone. You're not alone at all. So Breakaway is here. The fundraiser is here. Thank you so much for having us on your show and allowing us to speak about this nah, heavy topic. No, nah, that's this is what this platform is for. And again, like anytime, I want y'all back. I, I really do because <laughs> I think this is this is a, this is a subject that you know. Again, like seventy percent of the victims are women, and so as a man, I, I you know my proximity to it is is not close at all, right? right. And so, and whenever I can learn and whenever I can grow and be an ally, right, yeah. and do whatever I can, you know, um, to be a better man myself, be able to teach my son, mm-hmm. um, and and just just 
be supportive um, of of what y'all doing and just you know just justice you know for people that you know are, are victims you know or survivors or warriors and all that you know from from these situations so thank y'all for the work that y'all doing the bravery and being courageous for calling this out and being you know a shoulder for other women and other people in general to lean on right and with you know being supportive for the natural community so thank y'all y'all have a y'all have a voice and a platform <laughs> here anytime well, you thank know you. and so thank just you. hit me up um and make sure people tap in, support, go to the website, support, you know, support. all that. And then, um, yeah, but nah, thank y'all. Black Queens, I appreciate y'all. Thank you. Thank you.